0: Welcome to this edition of Labor Vision. I'm Bob Delaney, Executive Director of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. Labor Vision, a production of the Institute, focuses on topics of importance to working Rhode Islanders. We hope you enjoy this edition.
1: labor vision. You're watching the at home edition. I'm your host Erica Hammond from the Institute for Labor Studies and Research and joining me today from the Rhode Island AFL-CIO is President George Nee and Secretary Treasurer Patrick Crowley. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh thank, thank you. you Erica.
1: So last time we were on I know George you haven't joined us on labor vision since we've been doing the at-home editions. Uh, we haven't had you on yet but last time you were here was in January, so you gave us a legislative update. Um, Can both of you talk a little bit about what's been going on since January? There's a ton that's been happening, um, but in the legislative realm, maybe some wins that have taken place and some things that are still being worked on?
0: Sure. Uh, And uh, before I go into that, Erica, I just wanna thank you very much on behalf of the uh, labor movement for the tremendous work that you've been doing and keeping labor vision going during (laughs) these, uh, different these times. We've made some adjustments, uh, adjustments and we have, uh, uh, we're still putting out a very uh, polished product uh, and a very important product. And uh, so again, thank you for everything you've been doing. Thank you. Uh, I've been uh, lobbying for the AFL-CIO, uh, Rhode Island AFL-CIO, since 1983. And I did some work with my, my former union before that. And I, I think it's, probably uh, doesn't need to be said but we'll put it on for the record this is the most bizarre craziest and uh different legislative session uh that uh that i guess i've ever seen and people i know have ever seen yeah we uh the legislature for all practical purposes uh shut down in march and uh, did not have any Uh, meetings uh, open to the public since that time, although there has been business and there have been hearings and we have participated in them. Um, During this time, uh, we actually had uh, a couple of very positive things happen. Um, Thanks to the uh, Rhode Island Senate for getting the ball rolling and then to the House for passing it, we were actually able to get a minimum wage increase passed in Rhode Island that just went into effect October 1st, raising our minimum wage by $1 to $11.50 an hour. Awesome. Um, the governor uh, signed that bill at the AFL-CIO uh, headquarters uh, in February. So th- th- this was tremendous because I'm not sure, given everything that happened, we would have been successful if that had been left over for the rest of the session. So. Right. That's very significant. It's a dollar an hour. That's $40 a week to a person who is uh, working 40 hours. It doesn't get us to where we want to be. And for the record, we will be making a significant push in the upcoming legislative session in January to achieve a path to $15, as our neighboring states have. So we have been doing this minimum wage one year at a time. Um, And that works for the most purposes, but I think it's important for everybody to know that there is a path to the $15 an hour so we can uh, get there uh, in conjunction with our other states. So that'll be a big priority of the AFL-CIO in this upcoming session. We were also successful in uh, finally getting the State Labor Relations Board filled uh, to uh, its uh, five person uh, uh, capacity. And Stan Israel, former uh, SEIU 1199 director, uh, was appointed uh, by the governor and confirmed by the Senate. And we now have five people on the State Labor Relations Board. That's very important for all of our public sector workers that do a lot of business with the State Labor Relations Board. And we had a, um, a, a, right now it's on hold, but we had at least a half a victory on the nursing home staffing issue um, we want to thank again the Rhode Island Senate for taking the leadership Senator Goodwin uh, put that legislation in it was passed. I I'm, almost unanimously in the Senate uh, with Republican support. That is so critical in the what's happening in the nursing homes to establish safe standing, uh, uh, staffing standards both for the patients and for the workers. And the Senate passed it. Unfortunately, the House uh, did not do anything. Speaker Mattiello uh, decided that he would not take that issue up. And instead, he created a study commission, which we uh, do not support at all, because uh, this issue does not need to be studied. Uh, It's going on right now. People's lives are in danger. Uh, People have died. Uh, and uh, we both, uh, both Patrick and I, attended a vigil at the Department of Health uh, a couple of weeks ago where they went through the number of cases and deaths at each nursing home in Rhode Island, and when you stand there for 20 minutes and each worker comes up with the number of people who have died in that nursing home, you, you realize the magnitude of this case. And we cannot wait any longer for the uh, uh, safe standards, uh, safe staffing standards. So the SEIU you know, is committed to that. They made it part of their uh, political action agenda. And uh, I would suggest that uh, people learn from this that these issues cannot be swept under the rug. So all in all, uh, given where we are, we're, we're still up in the air uh, with what's gonna happen with the budget. Uh, we had a very aggressive campaign to raise revenue uh, and, and uh, increase the tax rate on people above 100, four, above $475,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's stalled out at the moment, although it's, I think it will come back uh, ap- after the election and when the General Assembly goes back in. So mm-hmm. there's an awful lot still riding uh, with what could happen in the budget, We're still waiting for Congress, which, you know, is not a good thing to wait for. And... Um, so a lot of work still left to be done, but um, we, uh, by and large, nothing negative happened to working people as a result of the General Assembly session, and we hope that we will be able to maintain that. So Absolutely. by and large, uh, again, uh, that dollar an hour increase is so important to so many people. So we're very happy that that was able to get through. And yeah. a lot of unions, uh, the union movement has made that a priority for many, many years. So uh, that's a, That's an update.
1: All right, thank you. And uh, Patrick, I know that last time you were on, we, you gave us a labor's response to COVID and kind of what was happening in the rab- labor realm, how union members were being affected differently, um, and also what's being done and how we're working to combat it or the labor movement is working to combat it. Can you give a little bit of an update on that as well? And I know that there was a, a COVID organizing during COVID webinar that took place uh, can you give us a little bit of an update on where things are now?
2: Sure. Um, you know, it's it's okay. been an interesting couple of months, to to say the least. Um, you know, I'm really proud of the Rhode Island labor movement for the resiliency it's shown. I mean, we're, we're making things up as we go along uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, just the idea of being having to do Zoom calls for everything right. has been uh, has been a steep learning curve for all of us. Um, but you know, regardless of the obstacles that COVID has put into place, you know, we've been very, very active, both in, you know, in our regular labor work, but also in the response to COVID. Um, uh, right around the time that we last spoke, Erica, uh, we, the Rhode Island AFL-CIO hosted a worker resource call that was open up to working people across the entire state of Rhode Island. We had, you know, several thousand people listen in on that call where we had special guests talking about what do we need to do as working people and what resources are available for us to deal with Mm -hmm. unemployment and deal with, um, you know, childcare and deal with, you know, all of the things that are going on. And joined with us was um, Courtney Nicolato from the United Way of Rhode Island. We had the the director of the Department of Labor and Training, Scott Jensen. Um, We had folks from the Center for Justice, um, Jennifer Wood, and we had uh, Andrew Posner from the Capital Good Fund. So kind of four broad ranging, you know, organizations along with AFL-CIO talking about what workers could, what resources they have at their disposal. Um, You know, since then, it's it's been really interesting to see the fights that have taken place. I mean, there was a big fight uh, on behalf of a local union leader, Amy Mullen, a teacher in Tiverton, part of my home union, NEA Rhode Island, uh, who was unjustly fired for speaking up about dealing with COVID related issues in the schools. Um, and way back now in May, it seems like it was years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we did a car caravan for her around her house in Portsmouth. We had you know close to 400 cars driving around. We you know, virtually shut down a major thoroughfare in Rhode Island to call attention to her her fight. Uh, and there's been a number of different of those caravan rallies that have taken mm-hmm. place. Our, Our comrades in SEIU have done a number of them and it's been great to highlight how uh, nursing home workers in particular, but really all frontline workers have been Mm -hmm. impacted by uh, the virus, both in terms of, you know, the fight for PPE, the fight for hazard pay, and just a general fight to get home safely from work and not make, you know, not die on the job from this terrible illness. Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about Erica, we also uh, use Zoom to do an organizing webinar. Uh, Mm -hmm. A number of unions are still out there organizing new workers and trying to bring, you know, more folks into the labor movement and grow our our strength. Uh, So we heard from uh, SCIU 32BJ, which is the building and janitors union, uh, from the United Mm -hmm. Food and Commercial Workers Union, the Teamsters, AFSCME, uh, the which is a major public sector union talking about how they are talking with non-union workers uh, during this time and how we can get them mm-hmm. to be part of the labor movement. And we've had a number of successes. Uh, a lot of unions have won uh, recent campaigns,
0: mm-hmm.
2: campaigning virtually as opposed to, you know, the, the one-on-one conversation that you have, and it's been great to watch. Uh, and the the results are speaking for themselves you know for example Mm -hmm. one campaign that started well before COVID but really came to its conclusion you know once we were well into the pandemic was the Brown University Graduate uh, Employees Association Mm -hmm. Um, they got their first contract with the university so another over Mm -hmm. a thousand new members into the into the labor movement here in Rhode Island and the the American Federation of Teachers and their state affiliate, Rhode Island Federation of Teachers and Health Professionals, deserve a lot of credit for sticking together and working with that group for over a long period of time. Um, you know, in addition to all of those, there's been, you know, the the IOCSE union, this, the stage hands union had a major rally a little while ago to call attention to their industry and how it's impacted, you know, they're the ones that do the skilled work of, the lighting, the costumes—you know—the getting the productions, did the behind-the-scenes folks at all of the theaters and in, in the convention center, they're, you know, all, since everything shut down, those people are out of work, and it—they did a great rally, calling attention to their plight. Uh, same with the post office workers—you know, the letter carriers, the mail handlers, all the unions mm-hmm. that are over there. Um, I think most folks on this, you know, watching Labor Vision, will understand that, you know, the the federal government and the Trump administration really have tried to nickel and dime the post office for their own Mm -hmm. political purposes. And not only does that hurt, you know, our democracy, but in particular, the workers there are under incredible strain. And it was fantastic to see them stand up and Mm -hmm. and stand out and call attention to that effort. Um, And it doesn't stop there. I mean, uh, the unions that represent school bus drivers across the state have been very active, trying to protect their members, trying to make sure that they have the PPE and the resources that they need. Uh, and the, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union Local 328 has been sticking with the bus drivers from the Durham company that uh, drives the kids in Cumberland to school yeah. against the company that is just treating you know their workers so unfairly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and credit to them, they've had rallies and caravans and Uh, They've issued a strike notice.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Like George said, um, we've been very active in the campaign to raise revenue. But listen, let's face it. We need to tax the rich so that they pay their fair share. The the people making over $475,000 in Rhode Island, not only can they afford to pay more, they're paying less as a percentage of their salary than everyone else in the state. Yeah. And now is not the time to have that kind of imbalance. So mm-hmm. I know George participated in, a, in a, a town hall that the revenue campaign did. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like uh, we participated in a, a, a you know virtual town hall and a number of mm-hmm. different things. Uh, our partners at Fuerza Laboral had a virtual uh, celebration of their co-op mm-hmm. program.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, the Raise the Bar campaign that George mentioned a, a number of times about the safe staffing have, you know, all all these new innovative ways to try to call call attention. Even our partners at RICOSH, the Rhode Island Coalition on Safety and Health, they've had four mm-hmm. different uh, virtual seminars on everything from chemical safety and heat stress to what is it like to work in a COVID-rich environment and how to protect people from a worker's point of view. So we right. don't have to rely on the boss. Yeah, um, uh, and I mean, it, it, and, it, and it goes on from there. You know, even the Labor History Society is getting into it both in terms of doing our, our annual events online mm. instead of in person, but also calling attention uh, to some of the importance of uh, identifying, um, you know, Rhode Island's connection with the slave trade. I mean, we did a, a virtual l- lecture on, uh, it's called Dark Work, the Legacy of Rhode Island Slave Trade and how deeply ingrained that process is in Rhode Island. And that's mm. why, you know, we've, as a, as a state federation, we've endorsed question one, which will change the name of the state of Rhode Island and get rid of the idea, of quote, "Providence plantations," from the name, and just you know, just striking at the heart of structural racism wherever we can. Nice. Uh, and George, I can't believe I, I went skipped over this, but way back in June, it seems years ago, yeah. we did the um, the uh, the we were part of a national caravan day of a day of action for economic justice and yep. um, and racial justice where. You know, we were probably be able to say publicly, you know, Black Lives Matter and the labor movement stands strongly, in, you know, with that movement to identify mm-hmm. what we can do as working people to overcome it. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, and believe it or not, I could go on, but I'll just stop there, Eric. I mean, it's, yeah. there's a lot and we can talk about it.
1: It's safe to say that labor has been very busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, all of the work that has to be done or what would have been done not in the middle of COVID is still happening even though most things have all turned virtual or are being done through caravans and things are being tweaked and we're doing them differently, but it's all still happening in addition to all of the work around COVID that is now being done as well, right?
0: Yeah, no, you know, and in the midst of all this, uh, the uh, electoral process continues. Uh, There were elections uh, in in September, we had primary elections. The AFL-CIO was heavily involved in probably about 15 or 16 races. Uh, we were uh, we, we we held our own. We did very well. Uh, we even in the, I would say even in the races where uh, our endorsed candidate did not uh, win, uh, the winner uh, was actually very pro labor. So from that perspective, uh, the labor movement uh, gained. Uh, It's it's different than we're different than a lot of states. Sometimes uh, the people that are running are actually more liberal or more labor oriented than the uh, Mm -hmm. candidate who is in office. uh, So therefore we don't we don't lose any ground if if they are defeated. We were successful in a lot of very high profile races and we will be involved and are involved in about uh, 10 or 15 races that are coming up in the general election. This is just Mm -hmm. general assembly. We've also, uh, and we should uh, highlight this, uh, we were uh, very uh, supportive of all of the school construction bond issues that will be Mm -hmm. before the uh, voters in Newport, Boroughville, Cranston, Warwick, and Providence um, in in November. Those were all put on the ballot. Uh, early in the General Assembly session. And uh, we have been part of coalitions and all those communities to get those passed because they are tremendously beneficial to our building trades members, our teachers and support staff, mm-hmm. and the students who have to work, uh, go to school in these terrible environments in a lot of cases. So, um, so that work didn't end, it just changed mm-hmm. how, how we did it. And uh, we're looking forward to some, some big victories in November.
3: More than ever, our communities are doing the work to keep our children safe, at home, in the community, and eventually at school. But right now, the very buildings where our children are supposed to learn, thrive, and be safe are falling apart. Corrosion, collapsing infrastructure, leaking roofs, contamination, infestation, and trailers. These are just some of the conditions confronting Rhode Island K-12 students on top of everything else. But the good news is communities like Providence are taking a stand. We're saying that Providence cares about children and cares about their safety. That's why we're sticking together to say it's time to ensure safe schools. Join us in voting yes on question two on November 3rd. It will invest in creating safe schools and family sustaining jobs right here in Rhode Island. Visit safeschoolsprovidence.org to say you care and to learn more about how you can vote right now to make a difference. For safety. For our future, for our community.
1: Can you guys highlight a little bit further to some of the work that's being done leading up to election day, what that looks like?
0: Go ahead, Pat, take it away.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, Erica, like just like everything else, you know, we've moved from, you know, being boots on the ground and knocking on doors to the Mm -hmm. virtual world, Uh, and I know, you know, we're gonna be participating and doing phone calls in, into other states yeah. to help uh, talk through virtual phone banks. But so many of our affiliates have been doing great work with their, with their members and with the, the voters in general, knocking on doors to a limited extent, but also making phone calls and reaching out to, mm-hmm. to voters in new and interesting ways. Uh, you know, we're, we're using a text program now to you know, send text messages directly to our members to get mm-hmm. them to get out and vote, you know, reminding them about mail ballot options, reminding them about early in-person voting, mm-hmm. and about you know, even though you hear rhetoric about this from some of our anti-labor you know, activists on the right side of the ledger across the mm-hmm. country, about talking about the importance and the safety of in-person voting, and that your vote will be counted, uh, and just how important it is to get out and vote. You know, starting next week, you know, people will be able to send back their mail ballots. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting soon, people will be able to go to town hall and vote early. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can still vote on November 3rd at the polls. Mm-hmm. And all, any one of those options. I would, you can't choose all three options, but you can choose one that works best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it, you know, it's, it's really important to, that working people, whether they're union or not, get out and vote. Uh, especially especially this election
1: yeah absolutely all right well i want to give you guys an opportunity right now i want to give you the floor in case there's anything that we've missed or you just want to highlight before we close this segment
0: i'd just like to my closing just say that we uh really appreciate uh and uh, have a tremendous amount of respect for the workers uh that have been in the, in the, in the front lines. Uh, we, we used to have uh, a definition of first responders that was never very narrow and in talking to our firefighter and police brothers and sisters, they now understand and, and support the idea that uh, first responders are the people who have been working in the nursing homes, working in the food stores, working as bus drivers Mm -hmm. they're exposed uh, to this deadly virus on a regular basis and when this first started uh, we were the labor movement stepped up and was instrumental in pushing and forcing employers and the state of Rhode Island to do a better job in getting people personal protective equipment Mm -hmm. we're going to continue that fight Uh, and uh, you know workers people have to go to work both to keep our democracy and our society going, and to support their families, so we have to make sure that they are protected uh, to the maximum. Uh, and again, uh, those those our hearts go out to the, the, the people who have died and have been seriously injured uh, and ill as a result of this uh, uh, devastating pandemic. And we will continue our fight. And uh, you know, again, the labor movement has uh, stood up and. Uh, and spoken up and will continue to do that to, for justice for everybody.
2: Yeah. And I just like to echo those, those sentiments. Uh, and the only thing I would add on to that, you know, cause it's so important to talk about the the, the frontline workers and the first responders, but really all of the labor activists that are out there uh, from the shop floor activists to the, you know, your shop steward, um your field representatives, the, the local union leaderships, that no one will ever read their names in the newspaper. You know, no one's ever going to be talking about them on TV. But there's, you know, there's one of the reasons why I think the Rhode Island labor movement stands out from the rest of the country is that we have such a dedicated group of folks, you know, that, that, that you know, care about the labor movement uh, right from the ground up. And they've been doing such tremendous work and having the opportunity like George has had to speak with them um, over this you know, last craziness of 2020 and knowing how hard they're working for the people they represent while they're also dealing with the pandemic, while they're also dealing with their own families and loved ones that are getting sick and sadly sometimes passing away. I think it's a testimony to the resiliency of, of the labor movement across the country but especially here in Rhode Island, how, how really dedicated you know folks have been to making sure that you know all working people are, are are safe and protected.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much. I really appreciate both of you and all of the work that you guys are doing, uh, continuing the fight. Um, everybody, get out and vote right on November third, or send in your <laughs> mail ballots, however way you choose to. Um, but just thank you guys so much for all the work that you're doing and for joining us on Labor Vision again to share all of it and keep everyone updated. <laughs> thank,
0: thank you. <laughs> and keep up the good work at the Institute and Labor Vision. Will do. A very important part of the whole struggle.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. And for all of our viewers who are watching from home, thank you so much for tuning in to Labor Vision and continuing to tune into our at-home edition. We hope to see you back here for our next segment. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Labor Vision. We appreciate your input and encourage your comments. Labor Vision can be seen on this channel three times each week, Tuesday at 7 p.m., Thursday at 8 p.m., and Saturday at 5 p.m.